Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When believers have an awe and fear of God, we don't dare put Him or His Word on trial like the world is wont to do. Believers in Christ who have a proper respect, awe, fear of God should not dare to put Him on trial. You hear what I'm saying? God, how could you? And I've been there. And I've shared that testimony. I've been transparent with you and how I've struggled over the years. But it was never right to do. He was incredibly merciful and patient with me. But it is never right to put God on trial with you seated as his judge. We bow to him, not the other way around. We answer to him, not the other way around. We don't put his word on trial. I find it terribly sad when those who have claimed to know Jesus as their Savior deconstruct their so-called faith and many turn into spiteful people who gleefully try to overturn or overthrow the Bible says the faith of others. But true faith cannot be overthrown. True faith is a gift of God and it is perfect no matter how small, how tiny. It is a perfect faith that saves our eternal souls. Oh, I love that. Lord, thank you so much for the faith that you've given us. Turn in your Bible. Oh, I'm sorry. It is in your Bibles. Exodus uh, chapter 20. Or is it 21, Lord? Anyways, these are Ten Commandments. I'm going to share with you the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Talk about the fear of the Lord. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a, a Make for yourself a, crave, a, carved, a carved image. I was thinking graven image. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Now, historically speaking, he's talking about idols, right? Uh, bring it forward, bridge the 2,000 or three or 4,000 year gap. It can be anything fabricated that you elevate above God in your life. You shall not take the name of of the Lord your God in vain. I remember hearing Pastor Z preaching and one guy, some, there was a fellow in the church come to Christ and stuff and, and he just had this bad habit. His bad habit was saying, oh my God, oh my God. And Pastor Z very gently said, you know, every time you say that, God bends his ear down towards you and you leave him hanging. You're a child of the king and he loves to hear from you and say, oh my God. And then you don't say anything to him. You're taking his name in vain. Especially for a Christian man, if you ever say Jesus Christ, oh, I hope that you never will unless you are talking to him. 
You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. These are referred to as the Ten Commandments. Now look at Romans chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, think of those Ten Commandments and there's hundreds of others, but those Ten Commandments, that's a foundation, that's a decalogue, that is it, right? No, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be, become guilty before God. Oh, pastor, I don't want you to put me on a guilt trip. Listen, if you don't know Christ, you are on a guilt trip. And that trip is taking you straight to an eternity in hell. And the law was written that you might recognize your guiltiness before God. And that is a gift to you and a gift to me. It was written that all might, all might be, uh, become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is knowledge of sin. The law is a gift to reveal our hearts to ourselves. You follow? But the law is powerless to save. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. You can know the law backwards, forwards, upside down. You can think that you're keeping the law. But the law was written to show you that you can't. Has then what is good become death to me? Romans chapter 7. Certainly not, but sin that it, might be, that it might appear as sin was producing death in me through what is good so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So we have these commandments, especially the 10 that I just mentioned, so that they can help us to discern what is sinful. You follow? I'm saying that a lot. Let me do a little Matt Chan. Are you tracking with me? The law was given to us so that we might understand what sin is. That sin might become exceedingly sinful in our eyes. And now James chapter 2. There are some people that like to cherry pick the law. They cherry pick this, cherry pick that, make these more sinful than others. And here is James and he says, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, I memorize this in King James, and yet stumble in one point, what does the Bible say? Guilty of, of all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have, you have become a transgressor of the law. The law was written that we might recognize our sin. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The law only condemns those who are under the law. This is what the book of Romans says. But when you come to Christ, you are no longer under the law. The function of the law changes for those, from those who are condemned to those who are not condemned. 
And we'll talk about that in a little bit of a detail. So first of all, this is for the unbeliever thinking that you're not as bad as all that. If you have offended the law in one point, you are guilty of breaking the law. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never heard this, but what James says is, is if you haven't committed adultery, but you've committed murder, you've transgressed the law because it's a body of work. It's a body of work. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If you break your arm, you can't say that your body isn't broken because your arm is part of your body. You follow? Your arm's not off to the side unless you got it ripped off. You follow what I'm saying? We break the law, we break the whole law. If you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. For the believer who thinks that living without the rule of Scripture is a fine way to live, I hate to break it to you, it is not a fine way to live. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What He declared to be good is good today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Evil is evil today, yesterday, and tomorrow. There's no changing There's no shadow of turning, the Scripture says, with our Lord and Savior. Jesus fulfilled the law. The law is good. The problem with the law is it can't make us good. When we believe in Christ, we are declared righteous. And the law becomes a gift to guide us as we walk on the face of this earth. Through the law, we cannot be saved, but we should be living. The nine commandments that were repeated in the New Testament, we should be holding to. The tenth one that is, wasn't repeated is the Sabbath day. But the Sabbath day, Jesus said he was a Lord of the Sabbath. But what he said is the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so is the Sabbath good? Of course the Sabbath is good. I don't believe man was made to work seven days a week with no rest. In fact, God exemplified our need for rest by resting on the seventh day. Do you think God needed to rest on the seventh, you think he had to take a break on the seventh day? He's like, oh, that was a lot of hard work. God is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. It was exemplary to us. Refresh yourself with the Lord. Take time for him. Worship him. And so understand, Christian, for the believer, the law of God is a lamp and a blessing that guides our way. The word of God cannot be changed, only fulfilled. You follow? You follow? For the unbeliever, it is condemning you and you need Jesus. For the believer, it's no longer condemning you. It is a gift. It is a light. It is a lamp unto my feet that guides my way. So the beginning of wisdom, as we said, is the, is the fear of the Lord. And the Ten Commandments and the reality of hell should cause us to fear the Lord. The Sermon on the Mount should cause us to fear the Lord. That is the beginning of wisdom. Fear is a great motivator in the search for truth. It can motivate us to do what we've been putting off. In this case, fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Until the moment we are born again, the law and the word of God condemn us as guilty. And we should be afraid. Consider the wisdom and the understanding of the Ten Commandments. We talk about having no other gods before me. God created the heavens and the earth. His way or the highway. Like, I can't say to you my way or the highway because I'm just a man, but... God, His way or the highway. He created you. You should honor Him. You should worship Him. You should not belittle, demean, or dismiss Him. He's the creator of the universe and He will hold you accountable. One day, He will hold you accountable. Lost, saved, it doesn't matter if you believe in His magic book or not. You take His name in vain, He will hold you accountable. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's a motivator. 
And the principles of the Ten Commandments in particular can protect a culture from self-destruction. They honor the Creator, and with Him at the top of the pyramid, everything else falls into place. Paul explained this in the book of Romans. Christian, we shouldn't dismiss the law either. It is a gift to us. It no longer condemns us. And so what do you do? What do we do? We turn and we trust. By the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified, but... The law should be pointing you to the perfect one who kept it, Jesus. So if you're here this morning, I want you to discern something. I want you to discern the truth that Jesus Christ is God the Son. That He came down and He took on human flesh. He dwelt among us. And then He went to the cross as a substitute for you and me. He took our place. The penalty that we should have paid and should be paying, Jesus has paid for us. What a gift. He wants you to turn to Him and to trust Him. Christian, we, we still have to do the same. As believers in Christ, when we fall, when we fail, when we stumble, when we trip, we should be turning from our way back to the Lord and by faith, trusting that you are Forgiven, 1 John 1, 9. That if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but not only forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. Christian, you don't have to stay in your sin and wallow in your sin. Turn and trust. And then finally, as we close, to begin to give you a taste of learning to discern in the world that we're living in. Those Ten Commandments are a wonderful framework. So you can take the framework of the Ten Commandments and lay them over almost anything. And it will help you to discern whether this is a good thing or an evil thing. These Ten Commandments are a gift from God. I'll give you an example. I found out in the state of New Hampshire, I, I can't remember the exact law, but it gives a 13-year-old girl the right to privacy from her own parents. Lay the framework over it. She is a child. The Bible says that we are to honor. Children are to honor their parents. Our society has decided, our society has decided that no, parents are not important in the child's life at 13. She and those around her know better for her or him. And you lay that framework of the Ten Commandments over that, and what do you have? What do you have? You have an ungodly law. You have an ungodly law. My kids know. Well, Chloe's, uh, Chloe's an old lady now. Nate will be 18 in February. They're no longer children, but when they were children, their duty was to honor and respect me and my wife. And if the physician said, I want you to talk to me about something that you don't talk to your dad about, if anybody says to you, don't tell your dad, what they really mean is immediately tell your dad. I told my young kids, when they were little, if anybody, I don't care who it is, uncle, pastor, aunt, 
Sunday school teacher, teacher, principal, doctor, whoever it is, if they say this is between us, you don't have to tell your parents. What they really mean by that is tell your parents. So if you ever hear that, what they mean, Lillian, what they mean is tell your mommy and daddy. That's what they really mean. Now they may say don't do it, but what they really, and parents, you've got to get this through your kids' heads, what they really mean when they say don't tell your parents is they really mean tell your parents. You lay the framework of the Ten Commandments over our culture. And you can see that our culture has decided, about 55 or 50% of it has decided, that parents are no longer the authority in their children's lives in a lot of places. Is that right or wrong? Is it right or wrong? I'm laying the truth of Scripture over it. Now, personally, I'm going to say I believe it is wrong for someone to tell my 13-year-old child to keep something from his or her parent. I believe that is wrong. I believe that is dishonoring to me as a parent. You follow? Now, maybe you have a different opinion on that. But I'm laying this framework, and what I see is I see. And there are states that are worse than New Hampshire. And you say, well, we shouldn't get religion and politics mixing together. Well, that's a problem for you. You know why that's a problem for you? Because your religion, Jesus, is your life. This is not something we do on Sunday. It's something that we are. And what we are should be influencing everything that we do. How we vote, how we shop, what we buy, what we do with our kids, what we don't do with our kids. Now, none of us are going to be perfect. And when we fail and we fall, we need to turn back to God And trust that what he said is true. He delights in giving mercy. Don't be afraid to run back to Jesus. I hope this is a blessing to you this morning. I hope you're beginning now, just with this little brief piece, to see how you can take the Word of God and start to apply it to different scenarios in your life. Laying a framework on the Word of God over certain questions that you have can help bring an incredible amount of clarity. And what's the word? Discernment. Learning to discern. Now you know why we spent so much time on understanding the Word of God and its place in our life. We cannot dismiss it. If I could have all heads bowed and eyes closed as we have the worship team come forward? Can I ask you a question? Maybe you're online and you're, you're watching this with us today and don't turn off now. Don't turn off the, the video now. Let's just wait a bit. We talked a lot about accepting Jesus as our Savior and the function of the law in our lives. What are you trusting? What are you trusting for your entrance into heaven, for the forgiveness. What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your ability to keep the law, to do good, to be good? Because your ability to keep the law and to do good and to be good will never be good enough. By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. The the law should be revealing to you right now that you're a sinner by choice and a sinner by birth 
then you should be recognizing that maybe no matter how hard you try, you cannot fix yourself. You can't take care of the sin. You can't, you can't cleanse it. You try to wash it away with good deeds and good works and giving and all these different things. And all you're doing is you're making a bigger mess. What you need is the blood of Jesus. Christ and Christ alone can forgive us of our sin, can give us a home in heaven, can assure us that God has become our Father instead of our judge. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.